The following is an exclusive presentation of WPTF and Applied Vision Works. This is the Building a Leadership Culture Podcast, hosted by Bruce Gresham, the Principal Strategic Advisor of Applied Vision Works. An in-depth look at how Bruce and President Don Hadley help businesses reach their long-term goals. Here's your host, Bruce Gresham. Welcome into the Building a Leadership Culture Podcast brought to you by Applied Vision Works. Thanks as always to WPTF and Chris Hooks for making us sound like we're in the same room together. Today, I've got a really fun guest, really looking forward to the conversation with Sam Mayton. He's an engineer, former naval officer, and is developing several different businesses. And what we're going to speak to today is an excellent article that he wrote that you can find on LinkedIn entitled Leading from the Middle, A Veteran's Guide to Strengthening Your Team from Its Core. Sam, welcome to the show. Bruce, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me. Sam, so tell the audience a little bit about yourself, your career, and the couple business ventures on which you're working. My career and kind of the direction that I've taken has has been sort of a cycle, really a circle. So I had originally intended on attending a military academy. And so I applied and got accepted to West Point, the Naval Academy, the Coast Guard Academy. I went through all the hoops just to try to get into one. And, you know, at the end of the day, I decided, you know, the military is not for me. Left that out. I ended up going and getting my engineering degree at the University of Tennessee. And there was one very specific moment that I kind of, I relic back at looking at right now. And I was actually sitting outside of the university, just kind of having a sandwich, having lunch for the day. And I saw a few military jets, some C-130s and a few um, F-14s fly over. And I thought to myself, you know, I need to get out of this small town. I need to get out of Tennessee. If I really want to make something of myself, I've got to leave. So I kind of started on a roll with that. I I commissioned the United States Navy, became a civil engineering corps officer, deployed, had several deployments, a few combat deployments, and ended up in Hawaii. Really, really, really enjoyed my tour, you know, leading some folks, kind of gaining a bunch of leadership knowledge, you know, through the Navy. I think coming in the Navy as an officer at 21 years old, you really have no idea what you're doing. You come in, you're kind of learning the trade, learning the people and learning the system and the culture is completely different than, you know, really anything that I did. So it was definitely trial by fire. After that, I uh, decided to join the civilian workforce, you know, a big piece. And, you know, Bruce, I had mentioned this a little earlier and we can talk about it a little more is that I left the military because it had a very prescriptive growth. And I guess what I mean by that is I knew the exact steps and checks in the boxes that I needed to take in order to be successful. And that was something that that lack of uncertainty kind of bothered me. So I ended up getting out. I resigned my commission and joined the civilian workforce. From there, I I worked a few director jobs at a hospital, at an engineering firm, decided to get my master's because in my brain, I needed to continue my education in order to be successful. Really, the look that I took leaving the military was I need to continue to get certified, get more education, more certificates, more training so that I can continue to grow. Because like I said, in my mind, the job title meant growth, the job title meant leadership. So after that, I got my master's degree, ended up working with a government contract engineering firm as a project manager and started to become really dissatisfied with the work. And I think just because I felt like the work I was doing was a little in vain, 
I again started to see that really prescriptive growth and I, I got kind of nervous. So I started looking into what it would take to start my own small business. And I took some of the engineering advice I learned from previous jobs and decided to start a company called Red Creek Commissioning. It is a mechanical commissioning firm that really utilized my 8A status as a service disabled veteran-owned small business. And then from that, I kind of started to look and gain work. Unfortunately, the organization that I was at didn't like I had started my own business and decided to let me go. And I can tell you right now, Bruce, that was the best thing that ever happened to me. Because from there, I took that very prescriptive need that I felt was an anchor. And it allowed me to kind of jump out of the box and, and gave me the time and the energy to kind of pursue my own thing. So from that sort of blossomed a few other small businesses, one, and really try to diversify my portfolio here. So from that mechanical engineering firm, I went and jumped into a coffee roastery. And then from that coffee roastery, I went and started a car importing business. So I really, I'm all over the map with things. And I think, you know, I'm trying not to get too ahead of myself here, but I really think I'm diversifying my portfolio. I'm excited to wake up every day. I'm excited to see where one business leads, one takes priority over the other. And really what happens, and I can tell you, it has been a wild ride and I have ended up back to the cycle, back in Tennessee, kind of pursuing all of those things. So my entire career, I started in Tennessee and I'm back in Tennessee, but I've sort of found my calling. It was kind of push myself into its own directions and see where things are headed. One of the greatest pieces of advice I got while in grad school from one of my professors was that, you know, when starting your own business, you don't have to be the guy with the idea. And that, and because I really struggled with that, whether it was, you know, pursuing something that I loved, I just didn't know how to make money doing it, you know, riding someone else's coattails, whatever it was. So that professor sort of let me take a step back and decide, okay, this person has done this before, I can follow in those footsteps, or my friend has uh, is a roast master. Let's see where that leads. And really, it's been very, very successful. So Sam, you wrote this article that I mentioned, Leading from the Middle, A Veteran's Guide to Strengthening Your Team for Its Core. What gave you the idea for the article? You know, the article kind of spawned from that last organization that I worked with. I saw a pretty significant disconnect from our senior leadership to our middle leadership to, you know, even lowered staff. And I tried to figure out, you know, one, how do I get the senior leadership to, you know, take the reins and lead us in the direction that we need to head. And, you know, a few months later, kind of rethinking through the situation, I was like, there, there were very specific instances where I took the reign upon my, on myself and that I could kind of formulate and develop and help lead the team from where I was as a, as a project manager. And those things were really small to start with, like whether it was, you know, keep the conversation casual, um, make sure people recognize kind of the need for work, but that in eliminating the stress for work or, you know, making sure I was open and transparent with everybody and, and kind of the idea that I took on that role myself and tried to emulate all of these things that I had listed in the article was me portraying leadership and sort of trying to promote not only my central level staff, but, you know, those individual contributor roles below me and also kind of senior level staff. So it was a little difficult to start with. I think I got a lot of kickback from senior leadership. And I did mention in the article how I did notice there's there tends to be a, a little disconnect between communication going down the chain of command rather than going up. I think 
at a lower level, people tend to push up information, whether it's to get a senior leader to solve a problem or looking for guidance or just to report, you know, inconsistencies or positive things. But a lot of the times the information coming down doesn't really hit its target. And so I really took the time to step back and said, okay, leadership's really everybody's responsibility in an organization. But from a central position, one where you're not a director or you're not a CEO or CFO or COO, you know, how do I implement those changes from where I sit? And so I listed a few on there. One, you know, being truthful, being transparent. There is nothing, no task that is below you, regardless of your position. And then also be meaningful with your conversation and, and recognizing team dynamics because, and I think this is a big, a really important one is you will not be good at everything. You rely on your team to support the rest of your team. Um, and then the final one I have in here is if someone asks you for help, you know, make sure you try your best to do it immediately because that, show, again, shows immediacy, teaches your team and your core that not their problems aren't less stressful or less worrisome than your problems. I think those are really great words and, and concepts to live by. And I love the idea of everyone throughout the organization at whatever level you are having the ability to be a leader because how else are you going to develop the future leaders you know managers directors c-suite of an organization if you don't have more and more people acting that way regardless of what position they currently find themselves into and so as you mentioned in the article you have kind of six hows to kind of lead from the middle and and the first how is to be truthful with everyone which seems like common sense but it's so important. You mentioned how some folks let fear drive their communication that leads them to be misleading. What advice would mm-hmm. you give to people to ensure they're being truthful and not allowing fear to get the best of them? Very difficult question to answer because a lot of the time, you know, fear drives everything. And that, you know, could be financial fear of losing your job, pushing back a little too much. And I think a a big key to being truthful with everyone is also being able to understand and listen to everybody, right? Because we all develop our own ideologies or processes or ways to do things. And if we're not willing to listen, we can't provide adequate input. And that's that adequate input needs to be kind of truthful to where we understand what people are saying and we we absorb it and then we give them a very truthful response. And I think where people let fear get in the way of that is whether it's reporting a problem, hey, I'm having this issue, I can't solve it. One that they tend to think that shows weakness or I can't complete my job as prescribed. Is my job threatened, you know, by me being overly, you know, overly communicate or being too truthful. And so I think this should be a laddered step. If, if you are, if you do let fear drive your communication, you should start when you sit in meetings to make sure that you're outspoken, you're speaking what you think, and you're not afraid to, you know, either repeat somebody or repeat a concept that, you know, has been looked at. You just, you keep engaging. And I think a big piece of being truthful is stepping back, saying, hey, I'm very, I'm nervous about speaking up in meetings. I think it's important that I say something and continue to do that. I think truthfulness is a consistency of embracing meaningful conversation, really absorbing what people say, and then be able to kind of give adequate input consistently, right? And and don't change that input when you talk to different departments or different 
levels in your organization. The next point kind of goes into it a little bit more, but the a biggest piece of these these two points is that it, you're truthful with everyone and you're transparent with everyone, right? Not just, you know, your staff or your organization or or your department. Exactly. And that's the the second how of the six that that you identified, which is being transparent with everyone. And I almost think that that's the most important, especially in this age at Applied Vision Works, we let everybody see everybody's calendar, everybody's email. There's we share the financials with everybody and just be really open and honest about everything that's going on. Now, sometimes you you can't do that for different reasons. And you know, there's privacy concerns, you know, clearly around HR things, but everything that we can share, we do share and don't, you know, keep too close to the vest because it enables folks to to feel invested in in what's going on. What does being transparent mean to you as a leader, especially as you're kind of growing and and moving up the the ladder and and currently leading from the middle? Well, I think the first two bullet points sort of go hand in hand, but on a kind of a different level. One sort of attributes to the individual, the truthfulness, and the other attributes to the organization. So the reason why I mentioned truthfulness first was that an individual, a one person needs to be truthful with themselves and to attribute or to help the organization, that truthfulness needs to transpire to transparency. So I need to be able to say those truths that I have internally to the organization, whether like you said, your calendar or or your financials, I think are very, very great things. One, I think as a leader looking at transparency specifically, the reason why that is so important is because it gives people purpose and it shows them that my individual contribution, I'm progressing and helping the organization in this way. And this is where I fit. And this is how I help the big picture. And I believe, Bruce, that if an employee sees progress and they see purpose, I know what I'm doing for the organization. They can, one, grow in their role. They're more excited to see you know, what progress that they can make in that position. And they see how it's affecting other departments. I've heard a million times we have to break down the silos of departments or organizations. And I think transparency is really the key to that. And then looking at it from an individual role, it's, you know, as an example, I'm working in contracts. I work in contracts. How is that going to help my operations team? How does what I do help them? And how do I make sure they know the things that I'm doing by being open and transparent with that? So that they can kind of recognize my position, I recognize their position, and really you're just cultivating kind of a culture of like teamwork and understanding. I think that's huge. And a lot of organizations don't really treat employees as such. I think they kind of give them a very specific individual role. This is what you need to accomplish and sort of, I would say, cordon them off into that role. And I think it's more important that, you know, our contracts folks in this example understands what our operations or what our business development unit does or, you know, and how they play that role. So the only way they're going to be able to do that, the only way that they're going to break down those silos is being transparent. Hey, this is what I'm doing on the contract. What else do you need me to do? How can I help you? And it's just those small bits of information, those small questions that you know, start to break down those silos that help open up transparency so that people feel more invited to have conversations with other departments. Hey, I'm having issues with this. Does your department do anything or can you help me? So transparency is not just communication. It's a lot of the times it's action. 
hey, that's not part of my job in this department, but let me help you because I know a little bit about that. And again, that type of work, that kind of culture, that mentality of teamwork helps drive profitability. It really, really does. And and I'm a huge proponent of that. So I think leadership in particularly is you're not pulling a team, you're actively engaging. So this the concept of leading from the middle is how can I show each department that I'm willing to help out or do what I can and be part of their individual teams in in the way that I can? And so when they start seeing that you're willing to be transparent and be truthful, and then some of the other six items that we can talk about, they start to engage, they start to help, they start to understand. So really a leader in my brain is a supporting role. You just, you're playing support role for people in your department, people that work for you, people who you work for, people in other departments, you're just, you're providing that support and doing what you can to help an organization grow and thrive. That's a great point. The best leaders that I've seen, they start conversations with their people saying, what do you need? What roadblocks can Mm -hmm. I knock out of your way? That kind of thing. Such, Such a great point. Now, I mentioned that I thought number two was the most important. But if number two, you know, being transparent is the most important in my mind, number three may be actually my favorite because so often, whether you're in the middle or upper management or, you know, wherever, so often nowadays you hear folks say, well, that's just paperwork or that's kind of below my skill level. And there's no task that is above you, below you, you know, anything. Give me some examples of why you think that that's important and and why this made the list. I'll tell you, I was at an organization sitting at my desk and I had noticed a few fellow engineers would really focus on their computer work. They're focused on their job duties. They're not branching out or talking to other folks. And I always felt like that was a problem. And sitting there one day, someone had fellow coworker had come to ask me for help. I can't remember what it was for. And I said to them, I can't right now. You're going to have to figure it out on your own. And they ended up leaving. And I, I stepped back for a second. I said, this is a culture that has caused me to kind of interact that way. And I said, that's not okay. And I went as far, Bruce, as leaving the organization. And I said, I, I don't want to interact with folks like that. You know, it's difficult. And that was a huge lesson learned for me. And so being that person that is able to get up, take the trash out, you know, wash some dishes, shovel, dirt. I, I was in construction for a little while. I think it's very important to show folks that their jobs are not less important than your job. Everybody plays a role. And so When I mention no task as I meant below you, it's very important that an organization recognizes that when I mentioned support before, you're willing to support them no matter what that looks like, right? I'm not just here to support you in the way that I was hired to support you. I'm here to support you because the overarching long-term goal is to help grow and make the organization more profitable or more well-suited to doing whatever it is that they're doing. And the only way to do that is by being inclusive and being transparent and truthful. And those kind of come together in the no task is below you. You have to be willing to kind of help out in whatever that looks like. You are listening to the Building a Leadership Culture podcast brought to you by Applied Vision Works. I'm your host, Bruce Gresham, and this is brought to you via WPTF 
a.m. in Raleigh, North Carolina. Thank you, Sam, for joining us on the first half of this conversation around leading from the middle of Veterans Guide to Strengthening Your Team from Its Core. We've ran through the first three hows so far, being truthful, being transparent, and no task being below you. In the next podcast, we'll run through the next three. Really looking forward to it, Sam. Thanks so much, Bruce. It was a pleasure. You've been listening to the Building a Leadership Culture podcast with Applied Vision Works Principal Strategic Advisor Bruce Gresham. Questions, concerns? Please email Craig Chase at cchase at appliedvisionworks.com or call 800 786 4332. This has been an exclusive presentation of WPTF and Applied Vision Works.